Um, and if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, in the last two weeks, you've been here in Devon, and then Devon and I have been flip-flopping, and so now I'm here. He's up in Cedar Rapids. It's, it's a wonder. So I'm just waiting for the day when there is a church, and y'all are ready to go, and one of us forgot to show up. And then we all show up at one location, and it's just chaos. So hopefully um, that will never happen. Uh, but there's a lot of coordination. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you, I enjoy this group. We're going to get together here in a week and plan out all of 2024. And it's just great to see what God is laying on people's hearts and what they're excited to talk about. And I'm really looking forward to, I, I can at least see, speak for myself, I'm excited for what I'm preaching about in 2024. So um, get ready, because it's going to get intense. Okay, uh, back on the topic, uh, be rich. Okay, so I want um, we're going to talk about being wise or making a wise decision. And I want to start this process of making wise decisions uh, by having you think about your primary source of income, okay? Your primary source of income. And I realize it may be different for a lot of you. Um, your income may come from the job that you have. Uh, it may come from Social Security. may come from a spouse. Some of you, it's still coming from your parents. That's okay. It depends on which age you are, I guess. Um, <clears throat> it could come from your retirement fund, right? But whatever your, your source of income is. And then imagine... Wherever that income's coming from, your boss or, you know, Social Security or something, so you get a letter in the mail, something. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, insert your name, I want you to be richer. Not just I just want you to be rich. I just want you to be richer than you are right now. And we're going to increase your pay, your income significantly. Like we're talking 50% income. Just, just imagine that your paycheck and times that by 1.5. If, if math is hard, just take it times two, whatever. This is just a hypothetical, okay? And that every month you are going to be earning way more than you have before. Or maybe for some of you, that has been a recent experience that you've had. And so that, that feels pretty real. And you can think about that. What are the chances, what are the chances you're going to say no to that? Anybody? Anybody ever said no, just out of curiosity? No, I, I would rather not have a raise, thank you. Zero, right. The other, it's always, by gosh, you're right. Thank you for acknowledging the amount of work and effort that I put in. You know, I wish you would have realized it sooner, right? Because we kind of think to ourselves immediately, well, if they're gonna give me more money, I then did something to deserve that, right? Few of us are gonna say no to being richer. So how does that make you feel? when you realize that you have become richer? Like physically, what happens to you? I'll tell you me, and then maybe it's the same. I tend to um, carry a lot of stress up here. And so I, I will tense up my shoulders like throughout the day. And then at some point in the day, usually at night, I realize how tense it is. And I, I just let my shoulders drop. So I don't know about you, but when there's been moments in my life where I've had a moment where I, my financial income increases, my shoulders tend to do this. I tend to relax because it feels good. It feels good to have margin between you and your bills. And when you have greater income, it spaces that out. Your expenses and your income now have a greater divide and it just helps you to what? Relax. Because this Christmas, everyone's gonna get what they wanted. Because you're gonna now be able to pay your debt off a little faster, you can relax. And here's the truth. 
I want you to be richer. But I want you to be richer in a way that doesn't just relax you. That will come. But I want you to be richer in a way that transforms you. And that feels like a dramatic statement to make. But it does sound better. Because if you think about it, all that income does is give you some breathing space. It makes you feel good. But it kind of makes you feel good for a temporary period of time. Becoming financially richer is temporary. It's temporary because we have this incredible habit of spending the extra that we have. You will spend until you meet your income. And some of us, we spend past our income. The closer you get, though, to that income, the more pressure you feel. Or for some of us, it's not just that we have increased our spending to match our income. We've gone through seasons of life where we've lost our job or the world changes around us, and therefore our income and ability to make income changes. And then our lifestyle changes. Or maybe our lifestyle in general had to change because of some external factor. Maybe a medical issue came up, and then it puts more pressure on us financially. Because financial wealth is only temporary. It will always, always, always come to an end. And so I want you, and I think Jesus wants you, God wants you to be wise. And a wise person realizes that financial wealth is all temporary. And instead, to take a second to, and this is really important, to invest not just in temporary swings, but in permanent transformative things. I'll say it one more time. To invest not just in temporary swings, because it will swing like a pendulum, but in permanent transformative things. I think God, and I'm here today to invite you to not just relax, but to be filled and transformed in here by a feeling that I think sometimes we flippantly refer to as being blessed. Because you may feel blessed because you got more money, but then that blessing goes away. No, this kind of blessing is something that stays. And I want that for you. And I think if we take down all the walls and all the expectations that the world puts on us, that your boss puts on you and your spouse puts on you and all that kind of stuff, you underneath of it all deeply want transformation. You deeply want change. You want to become richer, but not in a way that fades over time a richness that stays, not fades. Last week, um, Devin introduced you to a bit of scripture. He kind of uh, talked really quickly, and I did the same thing up in uh, Cedar Rapids over this. So we're going to go back to it today. And he introduced um, you to some teachings of Jesus. And it was the teachings of Jesus that came from a guy named Matthew. And then years later, the church added some chapters to it and verses to it to kind of make it more organized and understandable. And so you could reference it to other people. Uh, And so it's Matthew's account starting in chapter 25. And in this little passage that we're going to look at, Jesus is talking about final judgment. To which, I don't know what tradition of church you might have been raised to or exposed to, but when you hear final judgment, you don't think, well, that sounds relaxing. You don't think, wow, Taylor, blessing and final judgment, amen, that sounds great. But in reality, 
it is how we should look at that season, whenever that season comes. And we actually talked about that. We don't know when it comes a couple weeks ago, but it's a season we look at as bad or we look at with some trepidation. But in fact, the outcome of this season is where the world is restored, where brokenness ends and when joy reigns. In the book of Revelation, it's described this way. When the kingdom of this kingdom falls here on earth and we live in a world in which Jesus is king and we all live by his rules. And it says this in Revelation chapter 25, and God himself will be with them. Whether you agree with Christianity or not, just, just imagine this world where God himself will be with them and he, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. And neither shall be there mourning or crying or pain anymore. Those former things have passed away. They have disappeared. They are no more. I don't know about you, but when I think of a rich existence, that to me is a rich existence. Because in our lives, do we not all, you and me both, we go to great lengths to work hard, to try hard, to find our way towards a place for ourselves and our loved ones where those things aren't happening. Because we have relationships and we have income and we have richness that prevents pain and suffering and crying and weeping and tears. Kind of underneath it all, maybe you've never looked at it this way. You've constantly been trying to pursue an environment, a world in your life, create a kingdom, your little kingdom, in which those things don't take place. But it is really hard to do. And you may accomplish it for a season, a brief temporary span of time, but you know that season will change. As much and as hard as you work to prevent it, it will change. We're trying to build that aren't we? I think you could make the argument that that's what we're trying to build. But in this passage, what I hear is God is literally just going to give that existence that we work so hard to accomplish in our lives. He's just going to give it to us, to a group of people. And that's the people that Jesus is trying to address and help us to understand. A, what I would describe as a very, very rich life, a life where there is no pain or suffering. To me, that is the pinnacle of richness. It's what, let's be honest, when you think about rich people, you imagine that that's what they should have. And then you see all the scandals that they go through and all that other stuff. And then you're like, why do you not have that peaceful life? It's because that's not what money buys, but it is what God is offering. And here's what Jesus says. He says, in that final time, the king will say, and he's the king, by the way, the king will say to those on his right, and the right people are the ones who are right. They're right. Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. He's saying, hey, all of you who love this idea, maybe stirs in your hearts this beautiful idea of a space in which there is no crying, where God himself will wipe away every tear and all of that pain and suffering will pass away. He said, I am here to give it to you. It is ready for you to inherit it. It is my 
kingdom? To which the proper question and response is, okay, who's getting that? I just want to make sure I'm in the right camp. This is the question we should all be asking. Hey, Lord, where's the right camp? Because I want to be in that right camp. And he says, I'm glad you asked. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, which is not a typical response. Like we were hoping for like a list or like a here's who's right. And he said, no, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I don't know many times in the account of Jesus when he was hungry and people had to get him something to eat. The disciples were hungry, but never that I can recall, Jesus talks a lot about him physically being hungry. But in this moment, he's saying, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And he doesn't stop there. You're familiar with this or you were here last week. He goes on, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I, was, uh, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. To which the disciples, to which his followers, to which the people on the right side, to which hopefully some of you are sitting there thinking to yourself, when did I do that? Jesus, you're not even like around. So when did I do that for you? When did I see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger in rags or in prison or sick? And I helped you. And he replied, truly I tell you, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Imagine he's standing there in front of all of humanity that has ever existed, past or future, all in front of them. And he said, Whatever, whenever you have done that for the least of those among me right now, including you, you did for me. And you will be on the right side. In other words, when you have done something for someone who has the least, or more per perspective, a lot less than you do, and you chose to help them, and you chose to serve them, you chose ultimately to love them, to give them what you had more of, to give those who have less more of what you have. When you do that, you do that for me, and it puts you on the right side. It's the right side. If you go back to that verse, when you, he said, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. When you saw someone that was thirsty, and you handed them a glass of water. Or more practically, because we don't suffer from thirst too often in our country. But I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Those moments when you have seen someone who felt like an outcast, a new person, a different person, and you went out of your way to welcome them in. Or more specifically, the moments when you put your reputation and your comfort on the line to love someone who is definitely not a part of the group. Love someone who could be different than you are. Love someone who's a little uncomfortable. I'll be honest, last week up in Cedar Rapids, I was up there and someone showed up as a new person. They showed up one hour before church started. And isn't it funny, like we don't think of that as like punctual, we think that's weird. 
And so my brain instantly, I'm the pastor for Pete's sakes. My brain instantly went to, okay, something's wrong here. I did not go to, they are just so excited to be here. You know what I also didn't go to? I didn't go to, this could be a safe space for them and they can't wait to be in a safe space, which was the reality of their life. And I wasn't the first one to welcome them in. Somebody else stopped what they were doing. They were walking a different direction and they stopped, turned around and introduced themselves and welcomed this individual. And this individual is someone who there was a lot of crazy, I'm I'm getting just goosebumps thinking about all the connections that we had with this person. And we are just so crazy. We are the right people to love this individual. We have all the resources and the connections to serve this individual and we will. But what was my reaction? Not to welcome the stranger. Have you ever had health and known someone that did not? And you sacrificed what you had for that person. When you cared for someone, many of us have served or loved someone that was sick because they're physically sick or hurt because they, are, uh, disease, they have a disease um, or they're like just sick with an illness. When you do that, you are loving them and caring. You are giving your health and your life so that they may have it. So that they may have it. You are sacrificing it for them. You are essentially being rich in good deeds and generosity and a willingness to share what you have more of to someone that doesn't. You are sacrificing your strength, your reputation, your health, your clothing, your money, your comfort, so that others will have it too. And when you do that, in God's kingdom, by God's rules, what we call that is you are serving your king, your King Jesus. You are obeying the laws of God and bringing his kingdom and his love into this world. And you of all people should know about this because we're imperfect people. That's why I think a lot of people come to Infuse and that's why I think a lot of people stay away because we're imperfect people. And so you know what it feels like to be less. You've probably had an experience where you know what it feels like to have near to the least may not have been a physical least, but a least in here, a less than in here. And how impactful it may have been in your life when someone who has more than you comes to you, how powerful it is when they come to you and they care for you and they love you and they offer you what you need because they have more of it. Because my friends, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did again and again and again. And that's the expectation that God through Christ is trying to lay down in this moment. When I have more and I see someone who has less, I share. I share. I give what I have so others can have it too. You heard that last week when the representatives of Birdhouse were here and sharing about how they sacrifice for others when others are literally near the least life they have ever had in this world. And it definitely wears you out. And it definitely can be a burden. And it's work and it's effort and it can be uncomfortable. 
But let me ask you this, any moment in your life where you have done that, when you have given something you will never get back for someone else, have you ever regretted it? I'm guessing probably not. Because it was good, because it was the right thing to do. Perhaps maybe they didn't do the right thing with what you gave them, but you did the right thing. You may regret how they chose to use the gift you gave them, but I hope you've never regretted doing the right thing. And my friends, that is a richness, I think, that is eternal. That is a a way of life that is being blessed and experiencing blessing. That is God's kingdom. And it isn't just a richness when you are that generous that doesn't just relax you or provide you financial relief. It is a richness that fills you and transforms you and changes you and impacts you. And not only that, but it models something new and life-giving for others. It's a model and a a statement to the person you're loving and the person you're being generous to, but it's also a model for your family and your kids and your spouse and your loved ones to help them see how you model it and be transformed by it. It's a richness that doesn't go away. To me, it's a richness that's eternal. It's permanent. You're making an impact that impacts sometimes generations. Last week up in Cedar Rapids, I interviewed Ken. You guys had the birdhouse. I had Ken from Go Serve Global. And some of you, if you've been here for a while, you know Ken and how they have. He's an Iowa farm guy, and he has done incredible work down in Haiti. And um, he was sharing um, the plight that Haiti's in. But the most incredible thing, the, the, the thing that just stirs my heart is the fact that through the work of Go Serve Global, they have orphans who are now going to DMACC, Haitian orphans who are now at DMACC, who are now at UNI in another school I genuinely can't remember the name of here in the States. Because when you give to just provide a well or to provide a home or to provide education, you are creating a space for them to get to know your love and hopefully through your love as Christians, they get to know God's love And you open a pathway for them to think, not when's my next meal coming, but how could I learn? How could I change the environment I'm in? What would happen if I went to Iowa, where my friend Ken is from, and I learn what he learned, and I bring that back, because that's the agreement. You get to go but you get to come back and you get to make an impact in your community. And you say, well, that's an unfair sacrifice to expect of them. Well, that's how Jesus lived. And that's what we ask of those who follow him. They would have a much more comfortable life here in the States without a doubt. But they know who's left behind. And just like Christ didn't leave us, they too go, want to go back home and impact their communities and transform their communities. That is being rich. Being rich in good deeds and generosity and a willingness to share. And what, um, what Jesus says here at the very end of his passage, he says, then they will go away, the ones on the left to eternal punishment. And that doesn't sound great. But those on their right will go to eternal life because it lasts, it's permanent. It changes. And this is a life where I hope you want to go.
And I would challenge you to pursue this life where you're rich. You are so rich because of what's in here, what has been happening in here and how it is coming out and showing itself out in the world around you. What you have done towards the least of these. And to summarize, feeding the, the hungry and giving water to the thirsty and clothing those who news clothe, to summarize what that is, that is called loving, serving, and sacrificing. It's called being rich. It's an opportunity that we take every year to make sure we are exercising that muscle, to wisely be wise in what we consider wealth, and to follow the command of Paul that he gave to Timothy to do good, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and generosity and a willingness to share. Because we're so rich in here and we let that overflow out there. We're not just trying to build up our little kingdom. We're trying to share God's kingdom with the rest of the world. Not just trying to make it so that us and those we really, really care about go through a life without weeping or crying, but we do that for others as well. Christian or not, Christian or not, I don't think this matters. I think from my perspective, this is an image of God thing. This is the image of God on our hearts. When, you, when I say this, you know it's good. You may not have faith in Jesus. You may not think he is the king of the world. That's okay, but there is something in all of us that knows innately that is good to serve and to love that those who have less. I think through following God in these ways, we can get to know him more deeply and his will for our lives. But I think this is a thing that comes naturally to us as part of being created by God. And for those of you, because I know sometimes we struggle, you know, in person or online, you may think, oh, Taylor, okay, you're going to ask us for money and all this kinds of stuff. You're not giving to the church through Be Rich, okay? If that's a barrier for you, I just removed that because not a single dollar that you give us stays with us. In fact, just to clarify, if everyone gives, we're raising $40,000. If everybody gives $40,000 and we meet our goal and you give through a credit card, that's 3% transaction fee that we take on. That's 1,500 bucks that we have to pay just to do this thing. Okay, it's costing us money to do it. It's not for us, it's for the least of these. Why? Because I want life. Jesus wants life for you. So that you have so much life, you want to give it to and for others to be making that impact for them. Your heavenly father wants you to experience the fullness of life, that richness of life that you find in his love and share that with one another. The main point today is for you to be rich, to be richer than you are right now. Because you have more than you realize. Financially, I bet, but also in your entire life. That you would invest not in temporary swings, but in the permanent transformative things that God's love brings to us. Because you are being rich in good deeds and generosity and willingness to share. Now, I don't do this alone, okay? We have a little team, it's our missions team. And missions, I'm gonna really like summarize it super simply. Missions is not being about us, it's being about others. 
Okay, that's the bottom line. And so we have a little uh, missions team, a wonderful group of a couple individuals that have been getting together. And my first task to them when they started meeting, I think in like June or July was, hey, we got Be Rich coming up and we need to do it bigger and better than we ever have before. Okay, and so um, Rhonda from Tiffin and Joan from Cedar Rapids are here. So you guys come up here, okay? And, uh, and, and um, they are two individuals on um, the missions team. Oh, I'll get your microphones for you. That would be very hospitable, okay? And so instead of you just hearing from me, I wanted you to hear from them because um, they love talking in front of groups of people. They just love it. Love it. Love it. This is like their calling, okay? Let me make sure right. I move my computer so they can see you. Um, okay, so this is Rhonda, and she is on our first impressions team. And this is Joan. Well, she's actually kind of on our first impressions team too, a little bit, but up in Cedar Rapids. And um, they are going to talk to you just a little bit about missions and why they chose and have worked. Um, and we've um, put these projects together that we're going to talk about. Actually, should I talk about the projects? Talk about the projects. I'll talk Do about that. the projects real quick. Hey, I think I have a slide. Boom. Ha. Okay. Be rich. Um, so we are raising $40,000. We are giving a portion of that to international missions, okay? And so one of those is the Haiti orphanage called Bethel. Um, and uh, we are getting a water pump, a solar water pump for them so that their well can feed them directly and they don't have to go out and physically, which is sometimes unsafe depending on the time of day, um, pump that water. Um, and we are providing education for kids. Uh, we're building some new churches uh, here locally in Foundation 2. This is literally a block from our Cedar Rapids location. It's called Foundation 2. Um, it's a youth shelter where kids who have experienced terrible, terrible things that no human being, let alone a child, should experience go for a safe space. And they can be there up to, in some cases, a year um, because it is not safe for them to be in their home. And so we are going to buy as much new furniture as we can. And of course, we can't just go to Ikea. I asked if we could just go to Ikea and buy furniture. They said, no, it has to be safe furniture um, for the kids um, because they are coming from um, generally unsafe conditions. And so we want them to be safe uh, when they're there. Uh, the birdhouse, which you heard a lot about last week, I won't repeat that. And then families helping families. So we're providing scholarships for foster families to enable their foster kids that they are helping, um, giving a home to, to do extracurricular activities, okay? And so between the two churches, um, we are going to raise $40,000. I'm going to tell you how much we've raised so far here in just a second. So, okay, Rhonda, take it away telling us, I don't even remember the question I was going to ask. No, Joan, it's Joan first. Ha -ha. It's okay, whatever yeah, you no, want to do. Yeah, Joan, tell us yeah. about. Different. I can't see anybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't like. I if they if I see them, then I'm like, are they paying attention? Then they're sleeping, and then it's just awkward. Well, as far as missions, missions starts when when you learn that God loves even you, and then you just you want to you want other people to have that, and so. Um, decide to get involved in missions. And that means you might be uh, organizing things. You might be uh, making out a budget. You might be um, helping with projects, um, helping sponsor a child. There's just a whole list of things. But what I think is more important is that when you get involved in missions, and you start learning about all the needs around you, that um, 
people, people you've never met, they start to matter to you. And you can become burdened with that, either because of problems that, that are out there that you wish you could help with, or because you hear some, something wonderful about what's, what's happening in missions, and, and you just want to praise God for that. It, it, I think it just gives a real purpose to your life. Because you're able to have a new meaning to your prayers. You're able to be part of something. Um, you can make a difference. And that just gives a, a real purpose to your life and a, and a really, you just feel joy. Yeah. Joan has been doing missions for decades. Is that fair? Oh, come on. 25 years. 25 years. Yeah, so pretty much all of her life, 25 years. Um, <laughs> and um, I think the really cool thing is they have gone to these organizations and met with them and connected with them. And I think that's, too, where, like Joan said, you, you get to know people and their stories in ways that, and you may not even realize they're there. So, um, yes, Rhonda, sorry. No, you're totally fine. In fact, I... Probably what I would say is, um, over the last half hour, you took all the words just like right out of my mouth. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Th but anyway, thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, I would encourage you to watch this again, um, actually, because there's some great information in here. Not just your words, but the words of Jesus, which are actually more important than yours. I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. That's how that's how I prefer it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I'm just excited to be a part of it be of the missions because. Um, you actually mentioned something about this a few weeks ago, that I think all of us would agree that there are times in our society where we feel like we're divided, what, there's um, negativity, uh, maybe fear. Um, this is an opportunity to change that, to be a positive change. And, um, you know, regardless of where you are in your faith walk or, or anything, I'm sure we would all agree on this, that um, why wouldn't we want to be a part of making a positive change and, and showing love to people, maybe bringing joy to someone's life? So, yeah. 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 And how, how are we, because I think that's one thing that is really important. We're not just giving money away. We're building right. a relationship. Right. And you, you did mention we did have the opportunity to go to some of these places. I have not been to Haiti, um, but <laughs> I'd love to someday. I know. Um, we did have the opportunity to go to these places to um, tour some of the facilities to meet the people and talk with them, hear their stories. And I'm just going to say when you hear someone's story and you see things that people are going through and you see the impact that they've made, I mean, it just it changes everything, changes your perspective. I encourage you to just listen to people's stories, to go find out more about these organizations, but not just these others in our community as well. So. Yeah. Um, so for like example, on uh, next Sunday, um, you all will hopefully be there and we will share a meal together after service. Um, and what we're going to do is uh, the first meals that we plate up, we're going to take over to Foundation 2 um, so that the first of our meal uh, is going to the kids um, who um, are less than, and we're just not sitting there enjoying a beautiful meal. And so um, exactly. th these are some great opportunities. Unfortunately, they can't come to us because that um, their their uh, identity has to stay safe 
um, but uh, we can at least go to them. So that's something we're at least going to try to do right. um, next week on Sunday. So that, that's an example of how we're not just um, helping you buy furniture. We're, we're beginning a conversation and a relationship that's going to take us hopefully exactly. for years to come. Um, and be in a safe place. And, They're just and, right, right in the I neighborhood. So. Yeah, be in a safe place. Um, Joan, how, how have you seen, what, what are you excited about and how, how people's lives are going to change through this? Well, obviously when we um, do a project for someone and, and meet a need, they're changed for the better. But I really believe that it changes us even more than the recipient. Um, when we become invested in their lives, and we do that, as I said, because we know Jesus and his love flows through us and, and we want... We want other people to help. So when we become invested in, in their lives, it, it changes us. We become more generous. We become more caring. Uh, we become more loving, and we, we become more obedient to how Christ wants us to live. Um, I knew a, a guy named David Morrison. He uh, said once, it's... A, <laughs> just kind of striking. He says, say yes to Jesus. Just say yes to Jesus. And if you do, your life may not be what you expected it to be, but it'll be the best life. And I think that that just kind of puts it in a nutshell. Um, our priorities change. Our focus changes when we are involved in serving. And um, our faith grows. And when you have changed somebody else's life, if your life has also been changed for the better, that's a win-win. Yeah, it's a win-win. Why don't we thank these wonderful two individuals? Can and I just the, say one more oh, thing? Sorry, sorry, don't. Not yet. Okay. I just want to say, when we first started getting together, one of the tasks we had was defining missions also. But I just want to say, everyone has a different idea of what missions means, mm. but... I just want to say, when you leave here today, you're actually entering the mission field every day. I would say that. You have the opportunity to make a change to um, help someone in need to bring the joy yeah. every single day. Every day. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, and what you have, right? If you have right. that joy, you can share that. Right. right? Exactly. So, yeah. All right. Now you can clap for them. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so real quick, so if you want to give towards, uh, so I'll just update you. So, so far um, in giving and pledges, uh, we have raised, um, I just got a text message before I uh, got here because we had some additional gifts. Okay, so we have raised $40,000, we've raised $25,511, so that's just, yeah, I think that's something, yeah, we... We didn't know how this was going to go, um, but, you know, last year, um, you guys here in Tiffin, we did about $19,000, and um, last year, in the entirety of the year, Cedar Rapids did about the same, and so we figured, hey, together we can do at least that, and so we'd love for you to be a part of this, not just in writing a check, not just typing in some numbers um, on our website um, to give or, you know, 
there's the pledge cards, so not just writing down these numbers on the pledge cards in the back, um, but you're making a statement that comes from in here. That's what I'd love for it to be for you. And so the great news is um, that you can take this with you or this is available all the rest of this week. Um, please, you know, wrap up your giving and pledging by Saturday so we know what the final number is gonna be. Um, but that you have a chance to sit, pray, and talk through um, what that could look like for you. This is an opportunity to exercise our generous muscle. It's an opportunity for us to step back and realize maybe the rich life we've been trying to build ourselves that's only temporary. To realize um, how wealthy we might already be and how much that we really do have uh, a willingness to share. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, I cannot even remember how much Stephanie and I gave last year to be rich. I don't know. Um, I don't remember the year before that or the year before that. Somehow I haven't missed it and I'm still here and we're fine. And so honestly, if anything, that tells me that maybe we weren't giving enough, <laughs> um, but that we have an opportunity to make an impact and we have so much, I think, more than we've realized to give. And so sometimes it's just simply asking your heavenly father, hey, Lord, what do I have to give? Help me to see what I have to give to the least of these, those who have less so that they can have more. And together, it's just right. It is the right thing. And it is, I think, a permanent thing where generations are impacted, not just a temporary relaxation, um, but a generational impact, which is just absolutely incredible to think about. Um, so if you would, bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you are a God who has modeled for us from the very beginning an attitude of generosity. You were the one who breathed life through your spirit into us. We did not do anything to deserve the breaths of life that we take even now. And Lord, because we have taken so many breaths, because we have done so many things, because for some of us we have lived a number of years, we take those for granted. Help us to stop in this moment, Christian or not, and realize that for many, we have more than them. We have more breaths than they do. We have more years than they do. We have more digits in our bank account than they do. We have more children in some cases. We have more opportunity than others. We have so much. Help us to first be grateful for that and hopefully grateful to you for that. And from that heart of gratitude, as I think it was for you too, Lord, we give. From your heart, you gave your one and only son so that we could be saved, not condemned, but saved, so we could be free, so that we could learn from him what it means to live a life where he is king. We could live a life where his values reign, where his truth reigns, where we can find forgiveness and love, where mercy reigns, where love reigns. 
Lord, help us to step forward from this day on being grateful and generous in good deeds because of the life you've given us. And hopefully, Lord, let that change our world, help it to break down the divides between us, help it restore the brokenness between us, help it restore our own hearts and our own lives, that you would dwell in us and work through us to impact our world, to make a real, permanent, everlasting, and eternal change both inside of us and for those around us. That is not a burden we have to bear, but a gift we get to give. Help us to trust in that. Love that. And put our faith and our trust in that. Help us be an imperfect church, giving to make our world a little bit more perfect. And we do that in your name. Help us, lead us and guide us. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.